BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to Mind Love, episode 226. Today's episode is all about influence and the science of making good things happen. Diminishers are these linguistic hedges that we use to try to have people like us. The idea is we don't want people to be angry at us or scared of us. But what the real effect is, is having people not pay attention to us. It's very hard to pay attention to someone who's doing the thing that you were just modeling. Like, just wondering, I kind of thought like, uh, I could be wrong. I don't know if this is a good idea. And on the other end of that, you're like, get to the point. We respond to direct communication. We respond to questions. So if you're in a situation where you know you want the person to like you and you don't want to be just in their face feeling like you're demanding, but you can just ask them a question. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. It's a new day, a new episode, and a new opportunity to subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening for the first time, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you always know about new episodes. Plus, it makes you one of my favorite people. Because the more subscribers I have, the more I attract amazing guests to help better serve you. So don't forget to subscribe. Today, I'm excited to share a review from Lodima2361, who says, Every morning I wake up and walk both dogs. While I walked, all the worst possible thoughts came up. I was laser focused on the negative to the point where I would cry for being stuck in the same patterns. I was aware. I just didn't know how to change it. Now, Melissa, I listen to your podcast while walking the dogs. Your podcast, your stories, tips, and heartfelt, genuine voice set the tone for my day. It has helped me so much. I'm so grateful. I actually have chills reading this review. Thank you so much for letting me into your world. And I'm so glad that we're walking the dogs together now. So thank you again for taking the time to write this review. And now onto the show. Who do you influence? What are you influenced by? Influence feels like an ever evolving word. When I was younger, I only really heard it in the context of who is a bad influence or a good influence. And now I can't help but think of hot girls on Instagram with all white homes and somehow no stains on their white couch from the detox tea that they've been slanging. The word influencer makes a large portion of the population cringe at this point. But let's not let influence lose its meaning. According to the Oxford Dictionary, influence is the capacity to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of someone or something. The only way to truly live an intentional life is to first understand what we are being influenced by. Who or what is shaping your ideas, your behavior, or even who you become? Do you have enough awareness to know? 
If I'm being honest with myself, I think I only started to get clear on the outside influences of my life just a few years ago. One of my friends from my past started sharing things about following the money, and I was like, but how? How do you know where the money's coming from? But as with any seed planted, it started to take on a life of its own. If you know me at all, which you might by now, you'd know that I research everything to death, or I should say to life, because I definitely give every rabbit hole I go down plenty of energy. The results of my endless curiosity are not even the point of this episode, so if you know, you know, and if you don't, maybe a seed of your own was just planted. Just start with the most profitable industries and start asking if any of the crap they've convinced you of is actually good for you or just for them. It's why we lived by the food pyramid for so long when everyone already knew it was bullshit. Or when they knew for 10 years that smoking kills, but they kept saying that doctors recommend it. Or why billions of dollars go to symptom treatment rather than actual prevention. I could go on. Again, just look at the most profitable industries and understand what their motives are. Clearly, I'm passionate on this topic, but again, not fully the point of the episode. The point is, influence is powerful. A person who knows how to harness the power of influence can change the world for good or for bad. And turns out, power and money change people. It's science. Seriously, multiple studies show that power and money tend to decrease people's empathy. And a lot of people that control policies and food, health, taxes, or whatever, have had power and money for a long-ass time. Which is why a lot of the system sets us up to sit down, shut up, and follow the rules without question. You and me and everyone else were taught to suppress our power, to follow authority, to wait your turn, and to not make waves. So are we just screwed? No. The antidote to being influenced by someone else is to understand your own power and to help others do the same, which means developing your own influence. There's the saying that if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And I have found that this applies to every area of life. For example, when I was first understanding what it really means to manifest my goals, which doesn't have to be woo-woo, it really just means to bring anything into reality. Well, the very first step is to get really clear on what it is you want. Whether you're taking the spiritual approach to manifesting or you're taking a practical actionable, driven approach to combating your goals, you first start with clarity on the outcome. When I started to really want to change my life, I basically just began following a series of clarity and intention in every area of my life until I started to feel and see a difference in myself and the things around me. Yeah, it takes work and it's a lot more manageable approached one step at a time. But the fun part is, is that the moment you get really clear on what you want and what's important to you, the universe seems to provide the steps to get there and the power to see through all the bullshit that might lead you in the wrong direction. And then guess what happens? You become influential. And you become influential because you're already clear on what you want, on why you want it, and on how to get there. So people naturally follow your lead. Or I should say that you reconnect with your natural-born power of influence to embody what you were born to do, which is to stand in your power and make your mark on the world. Why else would you be here? And while part of it comes naturally, there are definitely things you can do to help yourself become more skilled in this area. 
So today, we're harnessing our power of influence. Whether you want to transform your life, your organization, or even the course of history. And we're going to learn an ethical approach to influence that will make life better for everyone, starting with you. So three key things we will learn are the single best predictor of human behavior, how to spot manipulators before it's too late, and the one thing that influences behavior above anything else. If there's one topic that keeps coming up in my women's circles, it's our hormones. Frankly, I think that between years of birth control or beauty products that mess with endocrine function, a lot of us are just out of whack. Estro Control is a formula developed by Happy Mammoth, a supplement company dedicated to making women's lives easier. It has science-backed herbal extracts that help support hormonal health, especially in women who suffer from PMS. The way Estro Control eases PMS is pretty interesting. The ingredients support the liver, and that's where our hormones get processed, especially estrogen. So when the estrogen isn't processed well in the liver, women may start having PMS, spots on the skin, they get cravings, they feel low all of a sudden. Estro Control was created to help women feel like themselves all throughout the month because PMS can basically rob us of a week of our lives every month. Totally not fair. Estro Control is made specifically for women who are premenopausal, so it's perfect for women that haven't entered menopause yet. And in fact, it's amazing for perimenopause when hormones start to fluctuate and PMS can turn into a beast. I have been relearning myself postpartum. I just started my period again when my baby was 10 months and I forgot how wild these hormone changes can be. I wanted something to just maintain optimal hormone levels and help with mild mood swings, and Estro Control is perfect for this. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com with promo code MINDLOVE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use promo code MINDLOVE for 15% off your first order. And now let's welcome Zoe Chance to the show. Thank you so much, Melissa. It's a real honor to meet you. So what led you down the curious path to understanding influence and how we can be more influential? I was so uninfluential that I became interested in influencers out of desperation. And this was starting when I was a kid. I was so shy. I had this theory that my voice was the same frequency as the ambient sounds of the universe. And that's why nobody could hear me when I talked, although probably I was just <laughs> quiet. So I was very self-conscious. I also grew up in a bohemian poor family in a wealthy area where everybody else had more money than we did. And I was, I guess, the feeling of being an outsider in those experiences and other times of my life got me curious to understand what is it that people do to connect with each other and uh, a huge nerd, apparently. <laughs> so I've studied that intensely. So lately, because of the rise of social media and influencers, I feel like people have lost sight of what the word influence even really means. So when you talk about influence, what does that mean to you? I'm glad that you're asking about social media influencers because that's that the negative connotation of that especially, but social media also is not what I'm writing about in this book. And I want to ask you too, because I'm curious what you think of social media influencers. But Influence, I use just the broadest definition, being anything that we do that can spark a shift or a change in somebody's thinking or somebody's behavior. And most of what I write about and teach about is interpersonal influence and persuasion that happens in conversations. I'm curious though, Melissa, 
What is your take on social media influencers? I have like 17 different takes, I feel like, because I know a lot of influencers personally, and they are like the epitome of what you'd think of when you think of influencers with millions of followers on Instagram, living in LA and doing what I do. I I think it's easy to find that culture really. And so with the people that I know personally, I know their hearts. I know what they are setting out to do and the change that they are desiring to make. And that's really what it is, is, is understanding that maybe like for me, for example, people may think of me as an influencer in some ways, even though my presence is more in podcasting. And for me, I don't think of myself as an influencer at all, because then I also think of the ones that I'm scrolling past that have like a thong on that are then talking about their detox tea, you know? (laughs) So I'm like, all right, well, there's the ones that are just being paid to promote products and basically use their hotness most of the time to like push something. So I I get that and I feel that negative connotation. But for those people that I know that are doing it authentically, it's that I have spent a lot of time being really intentional about specific areas of my life, and I might save you the research by sharing what I've learned. (laughs) And so that's how I think of having influence and, and for those authentic people or accounts that you see. But I do know that there's definitely a downside, and it's hard to know what to trust because you don't really know what's pushing their agenda. Is it just money, or do they really use this detox tea? And has is that how they got that ad? You know what I mean? Yes. yes. And that last part is the most important question here. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think what you're saying just is a very simple distinction that isn't going to work for all situations. But is this social media influencer pimping products or are they not? Right. And and it's different. For, like, do you have affiliate links to some products in some places on your site or whatever versus is it the main thing that you do that you show up and uh, share your hotness and tip the detox tea or whatever? I live in the Northeast and I live in a nerdy college town. So I don't know those social media influencers, but I used to live in LA and it was really fascinating to me. Just the the culture of superficial beauty and what it was like to be a woman in that area and with so much intense attention on that. There's somebody that was a mentor to me actually when I was launching my podcast. He was one of the original podcasts I started listening to on building a business and creating passive income. His name is Pat Flynn. And I feel like he has done the influence game in such a fantastic way. He even wrote a book called Superfans, which just a little horn toot. I'm actually written about in that book. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, uh, That's amazing. But he talks about how he's gained so many super fans, people who actually write him physical letters and send him things and say that he's changed their lives. And on his courses, he's he has an honest disclaimer. I do too. I've I've taken a lot of courses that have honest disclaimers that, you know, the products that I mention, expect that they'll have affiliate links, but know that I've also vetted these. And I, I think of that too, because I have sponsors on my podcast and I say no to more sponsors than I say yes to, because I want to only be sharing things that I love that are actually something that I find very helpful that I believe in. But it's, 
a slippery slope because I know like there have been times where I get an offer for X amount of money and I'm like, it'd be so easy. I don't hate it. It's not like I think this is terrible, but I also don't love it. And so I've got to like sit there. Usually I go and meditate or talk to my husband and my husband's a good voice of reason. And he's like, remember what you said when you started this? And I'm like, yes, thank you. I want to stay true to who I am. But like I said, it can be a slippery slope for some people. And in general, I don't think people know how their influence even works, how how it, that authenticity, I think for me at least, that shines through. I can tell if, if something means something to somebody. And so somebody like Pat Flynn becomes somebody that I respect and that I'm more likely to listen to. So when somebody's considering how do I build my influence, because I do want to make it clear that influence is so much more than just like your Instagram followers. Influence has been around way longer than that. To invoke any sort of change in the world, you need the power of influence. And so it's not this, it's not to be confused with manipulation. It's like, how do you make good things happen as is the subtitle of your book? So how do you become someone that people want to say yes to? I have always been someone who's prioritized wellness. Well, at least what I understood about it at the time, which has definitely evolved. But now I live in a town where some of my conveniences just aren't as accessible as when I lived in LA. Then I found Aloe Moves and my whole experience changed. I've been an avid yogi for 16 years, but frankly, I am just underwhelmed by most online yoga. Their flows are either too easy or not varied enough. Well, Aloe Moves has everything. Of course, they have an endless selection of beginner content, since that is the category most people fall into, but they even have advanced and yoga teacher-focused content. They are the only online platform that I can find that I can narrow down the time that I'm looking for precisely. Like, I have 38 minutes today. What you got? (laughs) They have something for every mood. Trying to get a good sweat? Try their award-winning workouts like sweat-inducing yoga flows, HIIT classes, or reformer Pilates workouts with or without weights. Or find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and even journaling for those quiet moments. And when it comes to sleep, it's just as important as fitness and nutrition. Ever since I watched The Art of Sleep on Aloe Moves, I've been falling asleep faster and staying asleep longer. So unlock your personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to alomoves.com now and use code MINDLOVE for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's alomoves.com code MINDLOVE. alomoves.com code MINDLOVE. Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take about 20,000 breaths a day. And get this, the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases up to 100 times more polluted, according to the EPA. And did you know that air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths globally? So what's the solution? Two words, living intentionally. We have to take full responsibility for every area of our lives, including our health, which also includes our air. And that's why I love my air doctor. As a reminder, when you support my sponsors, you also support the show. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants, so your lungs don't have to. This includes pollutants like allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mites, spores, and even bacteria and viruses. 
I live in the mountains and our air is pretty great. When I drive home, I can witness myself rising above the cloud of pollution that covers the rest of Southern California. But I know that even in the mountains, my home traps in the contaminants that my family brings inside. Plus, just sleeping one night with my air doctor, I could actually feel the difference. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day breathe-easy money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. So head to Air Doctor Pro and use promo code MIND, and depending on the model, you'll get up to $300 off. You're saving up to $300. Lock this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use promo code MIND. That's promo code M-I-N-D. So how do you become someone that people want to say yes to? That's the purpose of my book and the work that I do is exactly trying to help people do that. And I think you're a great example, Melissa, of somebody whose authenticity shines through yourself. That's what I thought you were saying. You are so committed to sharing all these different parts of you, right? Including some personal stuff that not everybody shares and also just being willing to go and interested in going to deep, dark, interesting places with your curiosity and conversations. And for you, if you were to start pimping products that you don't care about, that would be a betrayal of your whole brand because your whole brand is authenticity as well, right? What a lot of people don't understand, especially until they start getting more and more work experience, is that so much, so much gets done in personal one-on-one -on -one conversations between human beings and so little gets done without that going on behind the scenes. So a lot, I, I teach things like charisma and public speaking and also behavioral economics and nudges, which is an area I've done a bunch of research in. But much of the advice that I'm giving people about becoming influential is about the individual one-on-one -on -one conversations we have. Like yesterday, I had a situation where somebody had invited me to speak and I have a speaking agent who does the negotiations and deals and it's, it's about to fall through. And I was annoyed and I was ready to have it fall through because they were just doing this nibbling thing where I don't think it was on purpose, but they kept asking for a little bit more and a little bit more and they're eroding my goodwill and they're eroding my good. And finally, I was like, just know that this final thing you're asking for is so unreasonable. Never mind. I don't want to walk in with a chip on my shoulder. But I just call up the guy and say, hey, can we just listen to each other's voices? And I don't think this is going to work out. I think it's not going to work out, but can we just talk about it? And it turns out my assumptions about him are wrong. His assumptions about me are wrong. And all he really needed to take out this final clause that was going to be the straw to just destroy the deal, all he really needed was to hear my voice and to hear me say, no, this is absolutely important and I'm I'm a person with integrity and 100% I'm going to be there for you and I'm not going to walk away for some stupid thing. Or like, it, he didn't know that I'm not going to walk away and take another talk on that day from somebody paying me more money because he's thinking that would make sense for a person to do that. And I'm saying... I understand why you think that, but actually you can't be a professional speaker and run your business that way. You can't just like always be looking for the better thing and the better thing. You have no integrity and nobody wants to hire you and no agency will represent you. But another much 
bigger situation than that um, that a lot of us are thinking about right now is the war in Ukraine, right? And what we see is President Zelensky and so many of the leaders of Ukraine right now, at least this week that we're talking and the past couple of weeks are calling all these other leaders and calling out even social media call-outs to people like Elon Musk and other tech giants, asking people individually for help. And then we individually, we go and we ask the leaders of our organization or invite our friends um, to participate in this. Is if this if defeating Putin is one of the good things that we want to happen. Yeah, I mean, influence, we've seen it play out in the last two years of exactly how to, <laughs> how to just show things from every single angle to make sure that people are moving in a certain direction. But I know that there are a lot of misperceptions that we have about being influential or having influence. We've kind of touched on it when we think about that that almost negative word, influencers. What are some of those misperceptions? One of the misperceptions, maybe on the other side of this, that a lot of people have when they walk into my class is they believe that you can take this class called Mastering Influence and Persuasion that will lead you to master influence so that you could get anyone to do anything. The idea of someone who could sell ice to an Eskimo. And first of all, that's completely just not true at all. No Eskimo is ever going to buy your ice. But that is not the way that influence generally works. If you want to get stuff done in the world, you are spending far less time trying to convert skeptics and far more time trying to motivate the willing trying to activate your allies. So that's that's another big misconception we have. We also have this misconception that people will like us less when we ask for more. And people's liking for us has to do with how we treat them and it doesn't have to do with what we're asking for. Sometimes even asking somebody for a lot can be a compliment and it can be inspiring and they can lead you lead to that person respecting, admiring you more. So there are a bunch of misconceptions we have, but I didn't know about any of them until I started reading the secret journals that my students kept for class. So I've been teaching this class for a decade and they do real world challenges and they reflect on how did it go and what was your experience and big way that I've been learning about a lot of these misconceptions about influence is what they're telling me. I'm reminded of the Benjamin Franklin effect, which <laughs> comes into play a lot because I just uh, dealt with a lot of the the challenges that I think are common, especially in women. Things like not asking for too much, feeling like I have to do everything myself, feeling like people will dislike me if I ask them for something. I, I didn't have a bachelorette party because I was afraid of putting my bachelorette, <laughs> my bachelorette party out to like, oh man, the, a whole weekend or whatever designated to me. No, can you just, just make sure that you help me out on that morning? And even then I didn't ask for a lot. It's one of my bigger regret. Well, not really regrets, but if I got, had a big wedding to make up for the first one, I would do that a little bit differently because I like when people ask me for things. It feels like it seals my bond with them. It feels like they trust me. So it says somebody asking for a favor from me, to me, is also an illustration of our relationship, really. And so if no, if somebody doesn't ask me for anything in our relationship, if I'm really being honest, I kind of wonder how close we are. And not saying that it's a, it's a bad thing or that I, I think down on somebody, but... 
it just, it connects me when I, when I'm able to show up for somebody. And I think that really feeds my soul, but like that, where it's like, oh, well, people might like you more if you ask them for favors. I think so much about human behavior, the way we think about it is actually the opposite of the way it actually works. And, and that's one of the things that you talk about is that influence in general doesn't work the way we think it does. So how does it work then? Why do we do the things that we do? I just love that story that you just shared. And thank you for sharing this example of you are somebody who is so personable and you must have a million friends and so many people who would have been excited to show up at your bachelorette party. But even you feel like, I don't want to put anybody out or inconvenience someone. I don't want to bother my friends, so I'm not going to have a bachelorette party. And I think we can all relate to that. It surprises me every time I hear somebody like you who seems confident, extroverted, and it would be easy to be asking for stuff. But I would say I've never met anyone who's comfortable asking for things in every different domain. So a lot of what we do in the class and the challenges is asking practice. And we do cover seven weeks and 21 challenges in those seven weeks of class. By the way, in the summertime, I'll be launching a free course called How to Ask for Anything that will be on Coursera and translated into eight languages. So asking is a big passion of mine. The big misconception about how influence works scientifically that people have is that we tend to think, especially those of us who are smart people, and those of us who are kind people and we're dealing with other smart people, we think that we should just give them the facts, the information, the data, and they will make the right decision. And we shouldn't have to do, air quotes, persuasion. We shouldn't have to try to influence them. We just give them the information they need and they'll make the right choice. But that's vastly misunderstanding how decisions are actually made. And information isn't impactful unless the other person is already interested. So we're neglecting this whole first stage, which is really what my whole book is about and all the techniques that I teach are about the first stage of influence where we're connecting with the other person's unconscious reactions that include their emotional reactions, shortcuts, and their habitual behavior. Anything that they've been practicing a lot becomes habitual. So this part of our mind that's unconscious and this automatic behavior can take it over. And behavioral economists call the system one and system two, and I use the analogy of an alligator and a judge because it's just easier. So the alligator, the primal system, is in charge of just about everything. So that's what we need to keep in mind as someone who would be influential. I find so much of this interesting because I bring so much awareness (laughs) to things. Like that is my habit, is the general awareness and I've said that it's a blessing and a curse because I don't know, I'm questioning everything all the time rather than sometimes I'd like to just be able to kind of go with what I've always done. But I know that I, I know that I'm not bringing as intention to absolutely everything because that's impossible. I know that we make around 35,000 decisions every single day, which adds up to be about a billion in our lifetime. So there's no way that I thought about a billion different things. But what do we do? You talk about the gator. What what really happens when it's not worthwhile or possible to deliberate or to bring that much intention to a specific action? The two things that we do, one of the most of the time is just we ignore the thing. So what we do is nothing. And the second thing we do is whatever is easy. We take the path of least resistance. So 
when you would like to have some influence with someone, the biggest possibility is that they're not even going to pay any attention to you at all. And the second biggest possibility is that they're just going to do what's easy. Ease is a bigger factor influencing our behavior than literally everything else, bigger than intentions or motivation. Things like satisfaction, price, quality is all trumped by ease because that unconscious system governing all of our decisions and behavior, the gator part of it can take over. And um, if you think about driving, driving is really complex and you live in LA, so you must drive. So driving is, it's complex and it's incredibly dangerous. You go out of your house and you could die or kill somebody every time you get in a car. And yet we've been driving enough that for most of us, it's become so habitual that we don't even notice what we're doing when we're driving. And then unfortunately, we start, you know, texting, eating, talking, like doing all kinds of distracted stuff. Or we think that it's okay that we've had multiple glasses of wine or whatever before we get in the car because we're mindlessly driving, just like we're mindlessly eating. And we don't appreciate that about other people when we're trying to influence them. So how does that look put into action? If people always go for the path of least resistance, how do you make sure that when you have an action that you want them to do, you want to influence their behavior in some way, you want them to buy something, sign up for something, how do you make sure that there's no resistance, that it's smooth, easy, and obvious? One thing to keep in mind for anything that you want to help somebody do is to look for a moment of truth, which is the context or situation in which they are most likely to be open to influence. And then you try to make it as easy as possible in that moment if you can. Probably my favorite moments of truth marketing campaign, because Melissa and I are both marketing people with marketing background. I used to be a brand manager for Barbie at Mattel um, when I was living in LA. This brand campaign for Cebu Pacific Airlines in the Philippines was so brilliant. And it was a moment of truth campaign because what they did is they went they in Hong Kong, they go outside during monsoon season, but when the sidewalks are dry and they spray paint these invisible messages on the sidewalk that appear when it starts to rain and it just says it's sunny in the Philippines and then it has a QR code. And these magical messages appear not just during monsoon season, but when it's actually raining. When would you be more likely than that to want a beach vacation? And then they're literally appearing on the sidewalk, which is in your line of vision, as you're walking down the street, carrying your umbrella, trying to not step in a puddle. And then they have the QR code where that you can just immediately connect to their website, making it as easy as possible. So with a book, depends where you are, right? But if you are online then or selling a course, right? If you're online, you want to have the links to the thing being as easy as possible for people to click on. I had an event today and the, at the event today, I'm bringing books. I'm not selling books because that's just not, not what I do, but this is a smallish event. And so I brought a bunch of books to donate to the event and anyone who picks up a book, I'm asking them to donate to 350.org, which is the organization that I'm supporting with half of the proceeds from the book. So I want it to be as easy as possible for them to get the book. So I try to have the book there at the event whenever I possibly can, right? 
just a couple simple examples. I have what, a few examples, actually. What do you too. do? Yeah. Yeah, so there's a few. And now for another episode of Lies We've Been Told About Our Health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero-sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams, Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs, all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back, no questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I have what, a few examples actually what do you too. Do? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a few. I do know that people will take the path of least resistance. And so I know that if I want people to act, I make it easy for them. And one simple example that any podcast listener will know that when I'm directing people to my email list, The Morning Mind Love, I make it enticing. I The Morning Mind Love isn't a sales email. It's just little notes of inspiration every weekday to wake up as your highest self. And I have that right on the homepage at the very front on mindlove.com. But if they're out and about, they can also text the word morning to 33777 because I know that most podcast listeners are on their mobile devices. Another That's example. Amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> Another example of this when I was launching my podcast, and this is a more kind of out there example, but I was launching my show with zero influence, no audience at all. And so I had planned to go to WeWork, my co-working space, and tell everyone I knew about my podcast. And when that day that I was launching, there was actually a ton of fires around LA. And this is less about, I mean, this is kind of a making it easy thing, but I was like, well, how can I use this opportunity? Of course, fire is burning and I'm thinking about launching my podcast, but I went to the nearest <laughs> CVS and I 
bought all the smoke masks and I set up on floor two and told, posted on the WeWork network, free smoke masks on floor two. And every time somebody came down to get a smoke mask, I would tell them about my podcast. I would take their phone to actually subscribe to it. If they didn't have an Apple ID, I would set it up for them and then ask them for a review. So I was doing the steps for them to make it as easy as possible to help me out. Or in the same token, when I ask for testimonials for things, what I usually do is I'll reach out and I'll pre-write the testimonial based on that person's voice and then say that they can change it if they want to, to something that fits better. But a lot of times really busy people will just say, yeah, I approve, go for it. And so those are just little ways that I use the path of least resistance to basically have some sort of mutually beneficial thing or, or asking for a favor. Yeah, it's brilliant. And the texting thing, because people are on their mobiles, great. I love the smoke masks. I love the smoke <laughs> masks idea. And and I think that most people have no clue how much individual attention it takes to have people take action. And most people just would never in a million years realize that what you need to do is go out to CVS and buy buy the smoke masks. And then it's not just buying the smoke masks and letting everyone know that you have them, but physically taking their phones, <laughs> setting up the Apple ID and helping. But that's it. That's the that's the game of influence, if you want to call it a game. And most people don't understand, and I didn't until I wrote a book, that book reviews are not something that just massively easily appear on your behalf. And I understand you're writing a book or you're thinking about writing a book. Yes, I, it's been in the mental works. There's no pages written yet. Don't let me get oh. that clear. But I have known I was going to write it my whole life. And all of a sudden this last year, I can like feel it coming out of me. So I'm beginning the process and I'm just like, yeah, kind of asking people I know I'm in the brainstorming phase of like, what are these first steps to writing a book? Do I just write it? Do I get an agent first? How do I do this? So that's, I need to also realize that I've got to take the path of least resistance and have some people lay out some steps for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to help make me get people. Easy and pleasurable for yourself so that you go and you actually do it. Yeah. Um, I feel confident and, in the, in the steps that I'm taking because it's yeah. a massive undertaking to write a book before knowing, will this get published? Will somebody read it? You know, all of that. Yeah. And I got so much help writing this book and every possible stage of it. So I could have never done it by myself at all. And besides, I have two agents who are great, editor at Random House, who's amazing. And then all of the people who are helping the book come into the world. But I hired an outside editor and I hired a writing partner who was working with me, ending up, the three of us were on the phone every single day for at least a year during the lockdown. And my writing partner, Anne-Marie, was working with me full-time for a year and a half. So I don't enjoy doing things by myself and I find it hard to do things by myself and I don't do a good job of meeting my own deadlines. So I try to have other people on working on all my projects. And I, when I then launched this book, I brought together a group of other book authors, mostly behavioral scientists, that we help each other shepherd our books into the world and we help each other share the messages and, you know, we cry on each other's shoulders and we ask questions and we advise. I, I just believe a lot in social support and there's plenty of research to support the idea of social support. But for me as an individual human being, it's social support that I need to get things done. And that social support often takes asking people for help. I think so many people are waiting around for an offer. 
And I think a big thing that I've learned in life is that no one's going to offer to change your life for you. I mean, that's very rare. <laughs> and usually when they do offer, you're not ready because you, you haven't even asked anybody yet. <laughs> so the offers or go to waste offering, anyways. Or they're offering to change your life, but what they really want is to take all of your money. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that is very true, especially online these days. And I know that asking is so important to our own influence, which I feel like people don't really realize because whenever I speak about my podcast growth, most of the big opportunities that I got started with a big ask. And it's funny because there's areas in my life where I am so shameless about the ask. And then there's other areas where I won't even sort of approach it like something. And it tends to be the opposite things as for most people. Like I can't ask for a bachelorette party, but I'll go straight up to Elon Musk if I see him and be like, hey, I need to ask you a favor. What is it for you? Is it a personal professional thing or what makes the difference? I believe in myself in particular ways. And I think that this awareness has led to it evolving in, in other ways. But when I put a lot of effort towards something and I believe in it, like, for example, the course I'm working on or the podcast that I launched, I knew the value of it. Like I put my all into it and I believe that it's going to be valuable for somebody. And so in those situations, I have no problem just saying, hey, I deserve to be featured here. I'm going to ask for the speaking opportunity and go on stage and blow people's minds. And I still believe in my power to do that. That has a value to it. Whereas say when, it, when I'm talking about my bachelorette party, I'm like, what value is in this for other people? It seems like a lot of people giving to me. And I know that's a silly way to look at it because we talked about the fact that people like to show up for others, but it's still harder for me. For some reason, I still have trouble asking people for like general favors. I almost had like a panic attack asking my cousin to host my baby shower this last year, but I did learn my lesson from my bachelorette. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. But I had to like wipe my palms and like do a breathing exercise. (laughs) And then I was like, so, and then I did all the diminishers, which I cannot wait to talk to you about because I was reading it and I was like, oh my God, this is all me. Like, so this might not be a good idea and I could be wrong about this, but maybe we can (laughs) like all this fluff around one sentence of just, can I have my baby shower at your house? I'll do everything. You don't have to do anything. And she's like, don't be ridiculous. I will help with this. I'll get the food, all of that. So it was one of those, but it was one of those lessons for me where doing that made it easier to do it again in a different way. I think I had just gone so much of my life not asking for that, that it felt like just a brick wall in front of any potential personal favors. Yeah. And women get asked for so many more favors and we ask fewer favors because we even more than men, although men also have been conditioned to be self-reliant. And it's this double bind that leaves us depleted from helping out everybody else, but not getting enough help ourselves for so many of us. And though it's awesome that you do have this confidence to put yourself out there and all of these other ways. And there's so many people listening, I'm sure, who just wish that they could have that, that you have. And, because, um, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Because I brought up the diminishers, it's definitely something that I want to talk about because I know we basically get in our own way based on the way that we ask things. What are some of the ways that we diminish our asks? 
or diminish anything that we say. (laughs) Yeah. I talk about diminishers in the chapter on charisma because diminishers are anti-charisma. Charisma is you shining on stage or, you know, metaphorically on stage, big and bold, and you shine your heart out. Everyone's paying attention to you. And diminishers are these linguistic hedges that we use to try to have people like us. The idea is we don't want people to be angry at us or scared of us. We use diminishers to have people like us, but the real effect is, is having people not pay attention to us. It's very hard to pay attention to someone who's doing the thing that you were just modeling. Like, um, I can, so probably a bad idea, but just wondering, I kind of thought like, uh, I could be wrong. I don't know if this is a good idea. And on the other end of that, you're like, get to the point, right? <laughs> or you've just tuned out completely. And it's not that you need to be charismatic all the time and shining like you will when you walk up to Elon Musk and say, I have a great idea for you. Can you do me this favor? Right. And you say it directly. We respond to direct communication. We respond to questions. So if you're in a situation where you know you want the person to like you and you don't want to be just in their face feeling like you're demanding, but you can just ask them a question or like, say you have a great idea, right? You could walk in there like, oh my God, I have a great idea and people are going to pay attention. Or you could walk in like, hey, do you want to hear a crazy idea? People will pay attention. So just thinking about if you want people to pay attention or listen to you, what's the thing that you do to get them to pay attention And are you accidentally doing a bunch of things to have them not pay attention? It's not the worst thing in the world to have diminishers. It's just kind of hard to listen to. And it does really exude a different amount of confidence when you are not using them. And it's so simple. I have been practicing my communication pretty intentionally, especially since starting a podcast. But I'll notice even with my husband certain times that because we're just with each other and sometimes it's easy to just kind of spew out what I'm thinking, I've been lately practicing, can I just take a step back and get to the point of this question? And we don't often think about doing it in our one-on-one relationships because we're so used to them. We're not, I'm not trying to impress my husband anymore. He got what he got, you know? (laughs) But like, I realize that there's so much clarity. Not only do I give clarity to him, I give clarity to myself about what's bothering me, what I'm asking for, what I need in this moment. And I've realized that that is the thing. I don't have clarity first, so I'm almost workshopping it with the way that I speak. And so there's just so many instances where if I just take a moment to take a deep breath and ask, okay, what do I want to ask? What's underneath this? What's at the root of this? Oh, I actually just want to say, Hey, it would mean a lot if I had an extra three hours today, (laughs) you know, whatever it is, but we get in our own way. And I think a big part of that is our emotions. We feel something deeply. We feel that it's not right or that it is right or that it needs to be done or that there's urgency. And then we try to explain it too quickly before we take that step back to find clarity as to what's underneath it all. So when it actually comes to influencing somebody, How can we expect somebody else to have clarity as to what it is that we're trying to 
persuade them with or influence them with if we don't have clarity ourselves. They can't have clarity if you don't have clarity. (laughs) Yes, yes. And when you have made a request in some meandering, unclear way, and the other person doesn't give you that thing that you wanted, you can be frustrated with them. You can want to take it out on them. You can easily take it personally. But the reality often is that they didn't actually understand what was going on. They may not really know what it was that you were requesting and you were essentially asking them to read your mind through all of these words that you gave them. So we've talked about gender. It happens a lot between women and men. And it also happens a lot in cross-cultural situations, right? Where some cultures are have social norms to be very direct and other cultures have social norms to be very indirect. And when you have people on different parts of that spectrum, the indirect person is often not getting what they want from the direct person because the direct person didn't get it. They just didn't understand. One of the tips that you mentioned that is so actionable, so I definitely want to touch on it, and also it ties into Elizabeth Holmes, which just her whole story fascinates me to no end. It's the fact that relaxing your voice is a marker of confidence. Can you talk about that? Yeah, and you do it, so I'm curious if you've done it on purpose through exercises or something, or if you just naturally speak that way. So Elizabeth Holmes, and I find her fascinating too, she talks in this growl, right? And when she was revealed as a fraud by John Carreyrou, I don't know if that's the right way to pronounce his name, there were so many people online who were saying they knew she was a fake. We should have known she was a fake because she has this fake growl. And some people are saying, I used to know her when she talked in her girl voice before she talked in her old man voice. <laughs> and this idea that we place a great deal of importance on the sound of somebody's voice. Female professors often get judged based on the sound of their voice, and students will write that in our evaluations, which is kind of like, wow, there's not a lot I can do about it, (laughs) but okay. But there is the misunderstanding that Elizabeth Holmes herself had, which is if people write and she was intentionally trying to lower her voice based on some research that people with lower voices are judged to be better leaders, to have more leadership qualities. And there's a question about how much sexism goes into this. But the truth is that when we are judging people, when we're listening to somebody's voice, having a voice that drops down to your natural low register versus that gets a little bit squeaky and it goes up a little bit, but what you hear is it being, it's being constricted. We feel more confident and trusting in people who speak in their natural low register because that's a sign of being relaxed. It's a sign that you've relaxed your vocal cords and your diaphragm and your lungs. And being relaxed is a sign of confidence. So we trust people who are displaying confidence. And it doesn't matter what gender you are or how naturally high or low your voice is. If you can learn to speak in your natural low register, then other people will find you more influential and trust you more. So Melissa, have you done that intentionally? No, I haven't. I did not Elizabeth Holmes myself. I've always had had a raspy voice growing up. And 
When I was a little kid, I remember kids in school saying, what's wrong with your voice? And I remember in the mornings, it was especially raspy and it actually was hard to talk. I have a cassette tape of my mom took of me and I'm like, mom, (laughs) when I turn two, (laughs) I just sound like a little monster. But uh, growing, it wasn't quite as raspy in my like preteen ages, but it was, I would lose it all of the time. And so I became really interested in singing and trying. Uh, I was in choir and things like that. And long story short is I learned that a lot of my vocal habits were what was creating my loss of voice and just not having a very strong voice. And part of that is learning where I was speaking from. And that probably did change the way my voice sounds a little bit. But I am it's a trigger for me when I hear my voice because there's some interviews where I'm super excited and I start talking a little bit different and whatever it is what it is. But I feel like better information comes out when I'm relaxed. And so when I feel that in myself, I will kind of take a deep breath and, and consciously do a little body scan to relax my body. And I think my voice naturally follows. So that makes a lot of sense. That part that you just said at the end is so important when you said better information comes out when you're more relaxed. And I find that too when I'm teaching a course where we'll do exercises, where we practice constricted poses and talking and open poses and talking, different words come out and better words come out when we relax our bodies. So I love giving listeners something to work on throughout the week or something to practice. When it comes to influence, what is something that our listeners can be considering through the course of this week and possibly put into practice as they're working on developing their own influence or really just becoming someone that people want to say yes to? I will actually challenge listeners to start with no, that one of the best ways to become someone people want to say yes to is for you to get really comfortable saying no. And you can do that practicing if you want with a 24-hour no challenge, where you say no to literally everyone who comes and asks you for something or offers you something. And first of all, don't ruin your life. You're the boss of you. You know, if your sweetie proposes or you get your dream job. <laughs> You're like, but I'm like, doing the no yeah. challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Take care of your life. And you don't need to say no repeatedly to the same person. So what you want to do is experience how it feels to say no. And you want to experience that other person's reaction. You don't need to keep repeating that over that day. And you can also change your mind anytime you want, just like everyone on earth can change their mind anytime they want. The other person will be delighted if you change your mind to yes. But what most people find is that almost all of us are people pleasers, even if we didn't realize it. We have a default reaction to say yes to almost everything if we possibly can. And the second thing we learn is that other people are much less upset when we say no than we expected that they would be. They weren't counting on us absolutely saying yes. They were hoping. They were just kind of making an offer or an invitation, like request. If you say no, they'll ask someone else. But the biggest kind of magical piece of this is that when you get comfortable saying no and you're then asking other people, you are more comfortable with them saying no to your requests. And so you're pulling back on all of the pressure. And because you've removed the pressure, then they're actually more inclined to say yes. I love that. I 
I feel like two of the challenges that have been most life-changing for me is learning how to say no. And then also I did a a yes challenge for a while where I said yes to everything. It was so much easier when I was like 22 years old. (laughs) Now that that challenge feels like a nightmare. But uh, the no thing is just so important because I feel like I would have like panic attacks whenever anyone would ask me of something so I'd avoid them, which then just makes you an unreliable person definitely doesn't deepen any connections but there's been so many yeah. times where when i finally just say no and do it shorter than i expect this just happened last week somebody offered me an opportunity to co-host their podcast and i was like mulling it around in my brain like how i was going to say no and then finally i just sent an email i checked out your podcast it's great but i'm unfortunately going to have to turn down the opportunity i hope you find the exact person that's right for the job or whatever and then just send it and they're just like thanks have a great day and i was like why did i spend so much time freaking yeah. out about that it wasn't a big deal yeah, that's exactly like they weren't counting on you definitely saying yes. Yeah. And what you just modeled is really helpful for everyone practicing the challenge to focus on expressing warmth when you say no. So you're saying no to the specific request, but you're not saying no to that human being and that relationship. So that person you said no to about the podcast, they don't think that you hate them now and they're not going to never reach out about anything. They're, and maybe they're your friend or not, but they're like, oh, Melissa's really nice. Okay, well, you know, next time I'm throwing a bachelor party, I'm going to invite Melissa. <laughs> right? Yes, that and, would do a lot for my mindset of what is possible for and, me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you can practice expressing enthusiastic, warm nose, like the alternative to your podcast sounds great. Hope you find the right person. Have to say no, is like, oh my God, I would absolutely, absolutely rather die. Thank you for asking, but it would be my nightmare. So a friend recently (laughs) invited me to a play of Twelfth Night and I was like, oh my God, I hate Twelfth Night, but thank you. And she's like, oh, that's a great reason not to go. (laughs) That's so funny. Well, I think we have a lot to work with and your book is just so full of just really actionable things and examples. I love how there's even like visual graphs for different options of responses. And and so I highly recommend it for anybody that's looking to build their influence, whether it's online or just in the workplace or even just with your friendship circle. There's so many, it's not just a business related skill. I think it's a it's the power that we all should have. I mean, we see the world, a lot of us have a lot of things we wish to change in the world and it's almost impossible to do that if we don't have some sort of influence to start within ourselves. So for listeners that are resonating with you and want to learn more about you and your book, where's the best place for them to connect with you? Come to zoechance.com. It's very easy to join my newsletter and find a link for the book. And I will let you know about the how to ask for anything course when that comes out in the summertime. Thank you so much, Melissa. All the links to this episode are at mindlove.com slash 226. So your challenge for this week is to first get clear on what's influencing you. In what areas of your life have you not brought a lot of awareness or intention? We default to autopilot before we take these steps, almost in everything. You find things that there are that you've always done or that you've just followed the crowd that you've never really questioned. And to understand where you're starting is the first step to getting really clear and intentional about the life that you want. So let's start with that before we go any deeper. 
and let me know how it goes. Reach out to me on Instagram at mindlovemelissa. Thank you for everyone who's left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. As you can tell, those totally light up my world. What might take you one minute ends up making me glow for like eight full days. <laughs> so I just want to say thank you, thank you to everyone who's ever left me a five-star review. I so appreciate it. And if you want bonus karma points, just copy and paste your review that you leave on one platform on the other. Either Apple Podcasts or Spotify are the most helpful. So thank you for doing that. And that's all for today. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week.